ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And unfortunately, we are not here to talk about Arizona's big win over Portland State. That would have happened last Saturday. Meet them then to 2-0 on the season, getting ready for a big home opener, or home game, Pac-12 season, you know, Pac-12 opener against Stanford at Arizona Stadium. Instead, Brett, we do have some basketball news to talk about. So there's that. There, There is that. you know we we all wish that we could be watching football right now and some conferences have gone ahead and played some football games and the Pac-12 is not one of them and when we recorded last time we talked about how the Pac-12 was maybe looking to change some things or they're they had this new idea with the testing and all that where they might be able to start sports sooner than January 1st chances are it won't be football because the ramp up time for football you figure I've read coaches say they need like eight weeks ten weeks to get them ready to play and if you figure, well, that's a, let's just say two months, and if they come up with that time frame, say, beginning of October, well, now you're basically getting to January 1 anyway. But, you know, I guess from the – did you watch any of the football over the weekend, Brett? Uh, I was occupied, so I only saw little bits and pieces and a couple highlights, but also it wasn't – you know, there wasn't exactly a matchup that was enthralling to me yeah. <laughs> as much as I miss football, you know. Um It'd be one thing if there was a more intriguing matchup, but at the time being, I'd, if I'm going to watch sports right now, it's probably going to be, you know, Major League Baseball or uh, or basketball, uh, NBA basketball playoffs. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch any of the college football in part because, like you said, not a lot of interest in the teams and the games that were happening. And also, like, when it comes to those games, I feel like if you know it's going to lead to something later on in the season, you're more inclined to watch, but... I know neither of us are the most optimistic that they're going to be able to you know, finish this season. And then you add on the fact that Arizona is not playing because the Pac-12 decided they're not going to go through with this. It makes it tougher to get into an SMU-Texas State game or Middle Tennessee Army, you know, Eastern Kentucky-Marshall. You know, it's just like, who cares if you're I mean, an Arizona what was, fan? What was the biggest matchup? Was it BYU throttling Navy? Maybe Memphis beating Arkansas State. <laughs> like... Not exactly marquee matchups. And we've seen some other games starting to get postponed. Hopefully football can go forward. I'm not, I'm, there's like, I don't know if it's bitterness. It's more jealousy that they're playing. But also I do hope that they can continue forward and play because that would give them more idea that once January 1 rolls around, Arizona and the Pac-12 might be more inclined to. We're also seeing now, though, some more players opting out of this season. I know Oregon lost a player. USC lost a player. They're opting out to go pro, which as it gets closer and closer to when the Pac-12 may start up again, we might see more of that. I Probably not from Arizona's perspective. We talked about it. Like They did lose the Schooler brothers who wanted to go play somewhere in the fall, but we might start to see more Pac-12 schools lose the talent that they do have as it gets closer to you know an NFL season and then the NFL draft. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like the NFL, unlike the NBA, has any intentions of moving the draft, which I think impacts a lot of those player decisions, uh, yeah. for, for, especially for like the Pac-12 schools. Um, you know, hopefully, 
with the delay. And I, you know, there's even, I think Larry Scott left the door open even for a like November potential start. If, but there's like a lot of things between <laughs> here and there. And even the, even the games that have started, there's, you know, there's, there's going to be, if there's one thing that we could probably be confident on, there's going to be, shall we say, lessons to be learned from the schools that have been starting mm-hmm. to play. Yeah. Um, and I think time is your friend in terms of, you know, getting more information, getting closer to some level of a vaccine, getting better testing, like the, the, the you know, the 15-minute test. So hopefully, you know, hey, fingers crossed everybody can get through everything and coronavirus is gone, you know, next week. That, <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> just despite despite uh some some people in the in the interwebs uh nobody's rooting for the virus we're all no. rooting against it and um in the meantime though if all the schools in the pac-12 with really high-end nfl talent if they all want to just decide to skip the season and go pro you know like Panay sewell he decided to go pro from oregon uh cornerback diamadre lenore he decided to declare for the nfl draft like i don't mind seeing other schools lose their top talent Get get on our level, USC. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it is kind of disappointing to not see these guys at the college level. You know, it's like because that's once they go pro, it's a different game. But certainly, it's gonna. This is just a tip of the iceberg. We knew it would happen. That was the fear. You know, we joked that Arizona wasn't likely to lose players because they didn't have too many guys who were surefire first round or day one or day two NFL draft picks. Instead, they lost guys who just wanted a chance to play football and without the promise of a spring season or a January-ish season, then you understand why someone might say, well, apparently now it's going to be too late. I think anyone who's still in Arizona is going to be transferring for that reason. But you could make the case, you can understand why someone would say, you know, like Colin Schooler or Brendan Schooler would say, we want to go somewhere else. It wasn't because they're preparing for the NFL draft. It's that they're preparing for the NFL draft by playing football before the NFL draft. And this was their best chance to do it in their minds. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the transfer door is pretty well closed, um, at least to anybody that's playing, you know, in the next few weeks. But, you know, the the door is still wide open for the guys that just don't see the value add before, uh, you know, going to the NFL draft, which I think we I think I made the joke when we were talking to Michael Lev that the college football season, if it happens in the late winter, or in the early spring for the Pac-12 is going to look like week four uh, NFL preseason games with yeah. a bunch of nobodies that don't really know the system. And it's just going to be ugly, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't even say grind it out football because that makes it sound like you have all the best talent pushing in the same yeah, direction. Like a style, you know, a style of play is can be like that for sure. You know, like the the I have a I have a feeling that the uh, remember a year or two ago when the two guards for U of A both pulled on the same play in the opposite direction and <laughs> ran into each other. I feel like that's going to be the norm, not the exception. When oh. there's going to be this out of cadence, a lot of young guys getting a lot of reps, um, but you know. <laughs> I'd still love to to watch some football. And I think, oddly enough, for a school like Arizona that has a lot of returning guys and guys that aren't going to leave for the NFL on the lines, both offensive and defensive, some good running backs and a quarterback that seems to not make mistakes, mm-hmm. I think on balance it benefits us if, if and when that season happens. Yeah, the unknown is still tricky. I was watching a video earlier. Uh, Arizona, they have been working out and practicing to a degree. They had the COVID test. They kind of paused everything, and then they realized that they had some false positives, which I think is a good thing. You know, I'd rather have false positives than false negatives, especially if you can understand that it was a false positive within, say, 48 hours. You know, it's like, okay, so you lost two days as opposed to sending people out there who were actually sick and you didn't know. 
But that's kind of the precarious position they're all in right now, trying to prepare for a season that may eventually happen. Like, it seems to be trending towards a January season, right? Especially with the testing and all those developments. So it's trending that way. But until we get to that point, until we get to the point where the testing is out there, the numbers are as low as everyone wants them to be, then you can't know for certain. But that's one thing that I think is going to be interesting. We've talked about it before, I think, is that how coaching staffs have managed this because the video I was watching, it was Brian Johnson, the strength and conditioning coach. And the video is about a week old, but it was him saying like, you know, we should be playing Hawaii this week. You know, we're not playing Hawaii. That's unfortunate. You know, so we got to, you know, we're still got to get better. We still got to pretend like, you know, act like we're, and I think they did like a one, two, three, you know, beat Hawaii chant before they started working out, you know, trying to keep that mentality. And that can't be easy. But if you have a younger team where guys are not, their eyes aren't on the NFL right now. Their eyes aren't on their post-college days. It's their eyes are on college football and making a name for themselves. Maybe they're going to be a little bit more focused and ready to go when week one happens, whenever that is. Yeah. Also, is the, are the rules changing? If if let's just assume that we started January one for football season and did a shortened season. You know, they're practicing now. Do they? Does the NCAA or the conference limit? number of practices between now and then or do they let them practice the same kind of like hours per week as would normally be but just for a longer period of time and if you know because like in a weird way when you're trying to put in like a new whole new defensive system with a whole new defensive staff again i think the net of that if you can if you can have three months of essentially fall camp you know that might make arizona come out of the gates better than people think yeah i mean other schools would in theory have the same advantage but for Arizona, it would have been a bit disadvantage to not have those practices before a hurried season like we thought they were going to do or like the Pac-12 thought they were going to do for about seven days. You know, Arizona did not have that off season because their spring practices got cut short and trying to install that new defense. So if nothing else, if, if you believe that the coaching staff is better on the defense side of the ball and it's hard to imagine they're not, then they'll be a better prepared defense and they'll be fully prepared or as prepared as a team could be for week one given that they'll have all those practices but that's a good point Brett like I I feel like once they know for certain like this is the start date then they can start coming up with those rules and those policies because you don't want to overwork them they're still student athletes you know they're not professionals so you need to have those uh, systems in place those rules in place but how can you really set that how can you put those standards in right now when you don't know when that season's going to start you know you can't say you can only do it once a week because like for the next three months? Like, how, how do you know? Well, and even for, you know, thinking about COVID and the risks around there, like, as long as you're if in the health of the players, like, from full contact hitting, maybe you limit the number of full hitting practices or something like mm-hmm. that. But, like, in a, you know, in a odd way, having consistent practices might keep th- these 19, 18, 20-year-olds a little more focused when they're on campus, when they have to go to practice every day. And less likely to, you know, break the quarantine rules that they they are ostensibly having to follow, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you say, "Oh, we'll send you home for two months," like, you know, that that that's like Anthony Fauci was like saying how the schools that have gone on campus in like the SEC, they're thinking of sending everybody home, and he's like, "Well, that's an even worse idea because then you're you brought them there, get them sick, and then spread them out." Yeah. Well, that's, um, there are people who thought players are safer on campus, and there's some degree like. You don't get COVID from playing football. You get COVID from being around people who have COVID. And if they're on the field and focused on that and taking care of like, all the precautions that they're supposed to do, the masking, the distancing, the no big parties and all that, because they believe there's going to be a football season, yeah, then in, a, in many ways that could be the safest thing for them rather than canceling it all and sending them home or all that. Like, Yeah, that could be. 
I, yeah, it's 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 complicated and it's iterative, right? Like once you make <laughs> one decision, you got to it kind of changes what the next good move is or the next yeah. best option, right? Um, you know, we'll see. I I I have a feeling that you know it was just Labor Day, a long weekend, and seems like about two to three weeks after those holidays, the number of cases tends to go in a in a bad direction. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully not, but hopefully we, you know, have turned really turned a corner, but I'm a little pessimistic about that. Uh, I'll feel better in a month if, uh, you know, if college football is still going strong. Yeah, for sure. Now, I didn't think we'd talk this much about football, but <laughs> as long as we're on the topic, there is some positive news in the NFL circle for the Arizona Wildcats. They had a few guys stick with rosters. Uh, Jace Whitaker ended up on the Cardinals practice squad, so that's a good fit. You know, obviously Nick Folk is with the Patriots. Nick Foles is with the Bears, although well, he wasn't named their starting quarterback for now. Uh, you got Gronk in Tampa Bay, Will Parks in Philadelphia, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles is with the 49ers, Dane Krukshank with the Titans. But the big story I think that was the most exciting for a lot of people is J.J. Taylor was cut, then put on the Patriots practice squad, and then already promoted to the active roster. They have some injuries at running back. So J.J. Taylor, who I don't think there's an Arizona fan who doesn't appreciate J.J. Taylor, you know, he gets a chance to be on the New England Patriots week one of his rookie season. Like, that's that's awesome. Yeah, you, it's hard to not be really excited for J.J. Taylor and really happy for him. And I, I, I know I'm pretty confident that he's going to acquit himself as well as a 5'5 guy can in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I think going to the Patriots system where he's, Honestly, I don't think Arizona used him as a pass catcher nearly enough, and the Patriots are known to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and getting him the ball in space, he's going to make some, you know, top-flight NFL athletes look silly at some point in the near future. I think. Yeah, like there's a role for a shorter guy. He's not Darren Sproles fast, but he knows how to play with his size. Like he, JJ Taylor played bigger than his size at U of A. You know, he was a good between the tackles runner. He was shifty. He was strong. So you'd like to think, and we've talked how many times about, you know, Arizona not sending players to the NFL not having success at the professional level. And you're starting to see, now Grand, you say starting, like there's like two guys from the Kevin Sumlin era. But, you know, if, if they can do that, if J.J. Taylor can carve out a role in the NFL, you know, if uh, Cruikshank can continue to have success, if Jace Whitaker can find his way onto the field for the Arizona Cardinals, then maybe you start to see that, okay, they can develop some guys. you got to get the right players. It's not totally on the coaching staff. You know, Jace Whitaker's a good player. J.J. Taylor's a good player. But if Arizona can send guys to the NFL who then have success and stick in the league, that goes a long way towards building what we've been wanting to see from them, what we need to see from them if they're ever going to turn the corner and be a consistent winner. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you need to give – it's hard to say, like, someone's guys at this point because he's only yeah. had a couple of classes, right? You're still kind of going through the up, upperclassmen that are all Rich Rod guys. Um but that actually leads me to something we didn't talk about pre-show as potential things. You see the the rosters with the heights and weights came out with the the newcomers. Yeah, oh, yeah we could, let's I do a was... whole football show. I didn't think we were going to do it, but yeah, that was the thing that came out too. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I forgot about that when I saw that earlier in the week, and there was two things that really jumped out to me. One, Regan Terry is. I thought he was like inflated on height and weight. Apparently, he was way under under <laughs> uh, counted because he's pushing two ninety as a true freshman. Uh, which, you know, boy, that changes my timeline for his impact. Yeah. And then my other favorite was 
maybe he just took that all that height and weight from Chantrell Key, <laughs> who was smaller. Like, <laughs> who was like what they he was listed at like six seven two ninety, and now he's like six four two forty. I hate it when and that I happens. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that guy's gonna be the nose tackle, and now he's fifty freaking pounds lighter than Reagan. <laughs> Three <Tanner>. inches shorter. <laughs> I, I, that, that was, that, that's funny. It kind of shows like the imperfect. It's not a science, right? Like they recruit these guys, they get film, they learn about them and all that. Now, I know like Chantrell Key was kind of like a late ad and more of like a mystery player type of guy with a lot of potential. Still, it has potential if he's not six seven. But, you know, he's one of those guys where like, did Arizona ever really get a chance to meet with him? And did they measure him? It's not, you know, it's not the combine. It's not the NFL. Like, you're kind of basing it off what you know or what you've been told. And I'm sure he looked big on film. He does. Like, we've watched film and they, you know, picked him up as a recruit. But that's funny. Do you, do you think Chantrell <laughs> Key only did recruiting visits wearing Timberlands? <laughs> But that, that is true. Like you, you saw the measurements come out and some like, you know, it's like, hopefully it's good weight. The ones that are like JB Brown added 12 pounds. Jalen Johnson's at two, listed the wide receiver at 224. So with his height and that weight, that's a big receiver. You know, Michael Wiley gained weight. And for a lot of the younger guys, you expect to see them gain weight and you feel pretty good about that. You know, Drew Dixon lost some no. weight, which is fine for him. But I think what you're getting at, Brett, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the size of these players, especially the ones that this staff has brought in, this is NFL size, you know, especially along the offensive line and even defensively now, like even six four two forty is that's not bad. <laughs> well, I mean, as a as a true freshman, that's a that's still a big boy, right? Yeah. There's there's not that many three hundred pounders that are coming out of high school where that three hundred pounds is good weight, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, you know, look at and like the times we've tried to get some of those guys for health or otherwise reasons like Justin Holt or whoever else, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been a couple I'm blanking on, but like, you know, just being big in the girthy sense, ain't going to always do it. Right. Oh, Mouse uh, Tapasoa, he's up to three forty-five. Like that's, you feel good about that. <laughs> he, t- he took a big bite out of Chantrell key. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, and then, you know, the the real question is going to be, you know, these guys aren't doing this normal, like, you know, Kevin Summel was on Twitter posting all the stuff around, uh, you know, the daily workouts for guys, even when they couldn't be doing formal, th- like, cause, like in the off season, there's unofficial things that are like voluntary workouts organized by players that they're doing and workouts that they're, you know, mm-hmm. given, you know, I think it's going to be a test of the discipline of the players and the leadership of the coaching staff and training staff to see if, you know, the, the real question is, is it good weight or bad weight for the guys that added it? Um, and similarly, did you lose good, like the bad weight or lose muscle mass by not lifting enough during, you know, quarantine times? Yeah. And to that point, you know, this is what they reported out with the players on campus and with games more than, you know, still three months away. I, if it was bad weight that they've gained, they'll have the chance to lose it. And if it was good weight that they lost, they'll have a chance to get it back. But you have to feel like, I mean, it's, they had, a, most of these players, they knew what the coaching staff wanted them to come in as, you know, what the expectation was. So hopefully, and this is another way you could kind of judge how the coaching staff has handled this. If these players were responsible enough and doing what they could to be where they should be. And like, none of the weights look like they don't look ridiculous. You know, like no one looks like they gained so much. we like, Oh wow, that guy just couldn't stop eating over the break. Or, you know, that guy forgot to eat. You know, they look like reasonable weights, but yeah, until you see them on the field, you don't know how it's going to, you know, how it's going to affect them. But it is at least NFL size in the positions, you know, along the defensive line and the offensive line. And even at receiver, they've got some big receivers now too. So like you like the chances of this group 
and what they have now also having a you know making an impact at the NFL level if they get the opportunity because at least they seem to fit that mold that I mean obviously JJ Taylor doesn't he's just that damn good of a player but when you have more guys who fit the mold you have more chances to have them reach that level yeah and also final note and then we can move on to basketball in Chantrell <laughs> Key's defense I'm pretty sure my high school program added like three to four inches and like 30 pounds to everybody in the, in the programs <laughs> because, you know, you just, you're trying to, you got to put some, uh, bait or, you know, some lure, some bait on the lure to get the, get somebody on the line, Adam. I just like how he's sick. Listen, that's six, four, two, four, eight. Everybody's like, wow, he's small. <laughs> he's a big kid. And it's like, you almost disappointed that he's not bigger. Which is, you know, again, like you said, like that's a good size, you know, good height, good weight, especially for a true freshman. But it's like, I'm like, did he know he shrank? Like, he get, he's like, wait, what the hell? Like, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, we that was a surprisingly, I think, in depth football segment for nothing really happening for the football program. Like you said, you know, they did no games happening yet, but hopefully things trend in the right direction and games can happen in the near future. But we're gonna take a break and we come back. There is some basketball news that we plan on talking about, and we'll talk about it next. And we're back. And, Brett, uh, something in basketball that happened, I guess, you know, it wasn't a surprise to anyone. Brandon Williams announced he's going to leave Arizona and pursue pro opportunities. We've talked about this before. I wrote about it for AZ Desert Swim that I thought that's what he should do. And, you know, good letter. Sean Miller had nice things to say about Brandon Williams. No one wishes him ill will. You know, everyone, I think, understands why he decided to forego coming back to college for another season to go pro or at least to try his hand at the professional level. And also this him leaving, I guess, solves the roster crunch that was apparently there up until this decision. Yeah, I mean, like you said, not really a, su- a surprise. And when the, <laughs> when when the recruiting class was filling out as it was, it was – you know, we talked about it months ago, too. It's like it seems readily apparent that there was clear communication with Brandon Williams, his family, the coaching staff, et cetera. Um, in, in reality, I think a lot of it was already kind of decided a while ago. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's just now is when it's kind of being made official because it's kind of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and realistically, like we've talked about before, you know, he's he has, you know, his knee situation is such that, you know, he's, he, I think he needs to approach his basketball career kind of like a running back in, you know, in college, right? Like you've only got so many years. I mean, everybody's only got so many years, but if you have a kind of a degenerative knee issue that, you know, say he only has, you know, six, seven years before it's like too much pain to tolerate. Right. You know, as much as I'd love to have him playing as an Arizona wildcat and a long pro, pro career after that, you know, it's hard to blame the kid and hopefully he can go out there and make a little bit of money. Um, I'm not sure it'll be in the NBA, but I can see him getting some, you know, some overseas contracts and it's a pretty nice life. Yes. Yeah, so if he's healthy enough and we saw some of the videos he was working out and he's probably healthy enough to play basketball right now, but you have to wonder if the Ray Smith situation kind of impacted this, what happened with him? You know, obviously he tried to come back after a couple of knee injuries and just never got to play because he couldn't, it, the knee just wouldn't hold up. And, to see that happen, I'm sure Sean Miller was probably telling Brandon Williams to go pro, you know, because he doesn't want Brandon Williams to miss out on the chance to make money or play professionally in the game that he loves. So the roster was clearly built with the idea that Brandon Williams would not be a part of it. 
You know, when you bring in Terrell Brown, you go get Kirk Christo, you already have James Akinjo. You know, you're you're not expecting Brandon Williams to be there. I know all the, there are a lot of people who did their preseason projections and they're like they all penciled Brandon Williams into the starting lineup. It's like, do you really think that's what Arizona was gonna do? Like obviously Brandon Williams was on the roster, he's a starter, but they don't go and recruit the guys they did. They don't bring in the guys they did if they expected Brandon Williams to be part of the roster. So I think yeah, you were right. Like they, they made it pretty clear. It was clear a long time ago. It's official now, but it was it was obvious months ago that Arizona was not planning on having Brandon Williams back. Not because they didn't want him back, not because they didn't like him, not because he's not a good player, but because it just made sense for both sides to part ways at this juncture. Yeah, and you know, I think he's gonna hopefully be able to find good opportunities. It open, you know, it it avoids the roster crunch. I don't think there was, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody. I mean, it went back to what he said in May, where he's like, "I'm going to play." It's just a matter of where. Yeah. And I think we, I think we went through all of the possible permutations of what that could mean. And I think this was the most obvious, most likely one, as we both said, and it proved to be the case. Um, so we wish Brandon Williams well, and then, you know, look at the. Now we have a little more. We have the final roster set, and we can kind of make our assessments from there. We know Akinjo is going to be eligible. We know Kirk Carissa is going to be my man crush for the whole basketball season. <laughs> not not uh, Coloco anymore. Well, he is my god king, <laughs> not my man crush. <laughs> I pray at the altar of Christian Coloco. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're not looking at Coloco, not then, you know, I, I'm trying to think of something for Carissa right off the top of my head, and I can't think of something. Yeah, we're gonna have to think about that one. Yeah, there's time. Maybe our, maybe, maybe our listeners can uh, shoot us some at, at the at the Twitter handle if they yeah, have a good a, idea. Send us a hashtag, you know, to Wildcat Radio AZ if you got an idea for what we should call the Kirk Carissa Fan Club because there's going to be one, and Brett wants to be in charge of it, but we need <laughs> something to call it. I but, mean, <laughs> the best the best I can come off the top of my head is the Couriers. Oh uh, yeah, that's it's not, not very good. No, it's, it's not, it's not good at all. You, yeah, no, Colokanuts is great, but yeah, but I mean, it's all the shots you don't take. <laughs> that's true. Um, nothing really that stood out from the Arizona basketball roster. They reported also. Um, you now you have this size. Christian Coloco is up to two twenty. He was at two fifteen last season. He did say in the offseason he wants to get to two thirty five before the season begins. But you know him not being on campus that hurt him. You know, but other guys, this is a tall team. Like once again, it's a long team. Bacho and Azulis Tabellis are both six ten and two forty. Tatvulis Tabellis is six seven two ten. Ben is six six one ninety five. Dalen Terry six seven one ninety. That's that's a good size for a team. I mean, I'm pretty sure Christian Coloco is eight feet tall when he wears Chantrell Keys shoes. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> I'm getting the hang of this. I'm doing the the old tricks for the the podcast, Adam. Yeah, no, that's good. But but yeah, so the best. Oh, Jordan Brown too is up to two forty. So six eleven, or yeah, or yeah, two hundred forty pounds. Like, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I saw in that. You know, the biggest surprise or potential impact because that tells me Jordan Brown is not just relegated to playing the four. He can play the five mm-hmm. um, more more ably even against some of these the bigger guys because like he's he's what 6'10 um 6'11 240 is what he's listed at but you know at 210 you're gonna you can get muscled around like i mean isaiah stewart's gonna be in the nba but you know he's a he's a load to handle and zeke naji was able to hold his own even though zeke naji was about the same size i think last last year as uh jordan brown is this year yeah and and he looked 
thin compared to some of those big guys, right? Now, granted, like, we all gained a little bit of weight over the last few months, I feel like. So do we want to be that impressed with Jordan Brown? So, like, 30 is a lot. But also you figure the frame he had, he, like, he seems like the type of guy who knows what he's doing. Like, I imagine it's good weight that he added. And to your point, like, yeah, 6'11", 210, you're a stick. 6'11", 240, you can hold your own down there. And Arizona's probably going to look at him between him and Bacho, I would think, are the 4 and 5, or you got Taboulis, too. Like, it's a, I like the size of this team. Like, the guards, the point guards aren't tiny. You know, Kendra's 6 foot, Krissa is 6'2". They got the wings, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I mean, Tibet Gordon was 6'8", 200. That's not bad either for like a stretch three, stretch four type of guy. And obviously, Coloco is Coloco. But like we've talked about how intriguing this team is, and it kind of when you see this out there, like the roster put together, what it looks like officially, and how these players reported, like, it hasn't changed for me. Like, I'm really excited to see what this team can become. Yeah, I think my, my gut tells me uh, Tabulis, Azulis Tabulis. Uh, and Jordan Brown are going to start at the four and five, and then yeah. Coloco would be the first off the bench, and the and Bacha and I mean, shoot, we're still not even talking about Ira Lee. That's true. <laughs> Though I, I think Ira Lee is going to be the energy guy. I think his role is going to be similar to last year. Personally, um, the things that I'm most intrigued at, you know, Akinjo is going to start. Yeah. Um, I, my gut tells me Kirk Carissa is going to be starting at some point. Maybe that's just my man crush bias. Um, oh, it is. But he could also play with a Kinjo. Like, they seem like the type of guards who can play off each other, which means he'll play a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like to start the season, I can see Sean Miller going to Jamal Baker because he tends to like to rely on veterans, especially early in the season. Um, and then you could have Carissa come off the bench and kind of help facilitate the offense, especially if you bring in him and Coloco. That could be really fun to watch because Coloco yeah. is more a guy that I think actually works better on pick and rolls with a point guard that can get him the ball and kind of run on the floor. So I could see that working out. And then I think the other question is one of Dale and Terry and Ben is going to, I think, start and probably be our most likely, uh, along with Tabellis, the early departure, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to be a battle between them too. And to your point, like you met, talk about in football, how Arizona will have a chance to practice and get that system together. We know Sean Merrill likes to play his veterans earlier on the season. But if they have a little extra time here to practice and he gets a better feel for them, and also especially the guys that are coming from overseas, they are playing at higher levels too than what American high schoolers are used to, maybe they will find their way into the lineup sooner than we're used to seeing from a Sean Miller team. In part, not because like he needs them to be in there, because there are veterans. Jamal Baker has played. Ireland has played. But because these guys are more ready or will be more ready by game one than traditional true freshmen have been for Arizona. Like I could see that happening. Yeah, and I mean, especially in modern high school basketball, where the AAU pajama ball circuit is more, <laughs> where they where they spend their focus than like even traditional high school programs, where you maybe learn a actual program and you know things like defense, um, which is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't see a lot of uh, team defense coached in the in the travel ball teams. Yeah, so we'll see. Huh. So I know we both like this roster, Brett. Are you at all concerned with Arizona's recruiting again? I know this is, this has become like an every year thing now since I guess the FBI thing, but recent days, and we're recording this on Wednesday, September 9th, but Ben Gregg chose Gonzaga over Arizona. Um, there's another guy, Jamal Moshak. He decided to go, I think he chose Tennessee. Um, he was another guy that Arizona was in on. 
that decided to go elsewhere. And certainly, it seems like recently, or to my my apologies, I can't read. But, <laughs> you know, some of these guys, like we've seen a lot more players that Arizona's in on not getting, and this might be their new reality because we were used to for so many years, if Arizona was a finalist for a player, they pretty much got them. You know, in the last couple of years, it hasn't been that way. It doesn't necessarily going to be a problem, especially this season, because the guys they did recruit and get to commit are seem like they're pretty good players, and there's still other talent out there. But I guess to my original question, do you have at all any worries about Arizona recruiting based on what we're seeing of late? Not, not as of now. I mean, they have KJ Simpson in, who seems like a pretty intriguing player. Um, you know, there's only two seniors. And I'm on the record of thinking there's, it's going to be a four-man class because I think two guys are leaving early, or one call it one and a half guys are leaving early over under, and one and a half over under are going to transfer, right? Yeah. I think maybe maybe it, it might I might even take the over there if you count a transfer. Um, so I I'm not worried yet. You know I think Shane Noel, Jaden Hardy, Deron Holmes, those are guys we're still in on. I think yeah. Nathan Biddle is still being pursued, but I think he's pro- probably generally. Oregon. Yeah, generally thought to be Oregon. I mean, he's from there. And Oregon's a, you know, Dana Altman's got Oregon firing on, you know, all cylinders for a while now. Yeah. Um, And realistically, you know, we talk about this roster is going to be a lot of guys that stick around for three or four years. Like, are you going to try to recruit over a junior year Christian Coloco? Or, That'd be stupid. Or like Kirk Carissa? Like, I mean, like... Yeah, there's there's a there's a balance there, right? Yeah. Um, you're always gonna want to take star guys, but I think I think there's an opportunity to be more selective in terms of who fits cur- the current roster and two to three years down the road roster. Um, so I think I, I'm not I'm not worried yet. Um, and for all the the hand wringing Arizona Wildcat fans have done with recruiting in the last two years. Even post ESPN, you know, article the DeAndre Ayton and stuff, etc. Look at our last two classes, and like, I think Sean Miller has earned our trust for the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that's the right approach because it is easy to be disappointed when Arizona's not landing certain prospects. You know, and we went through this how many months ago? You know, five months ago when Arizona wasn't getting players, and before they got this whole influx of. Uh, foreign players it was like what is their recruiting class going to look like it was just miss after miss after miss and then they still end up putting a class together like one i know it's ranked high because they have a lot of players but it's intriguing talent and you can make a case that's one of the better recruiting classes that he's brought in maybe not with the star power of some of the other ones in terms of high school prospects and i i think that's the hard part to people get over because like we got used to seeing sean miller just land top five classes you know, when you have Aaron Gordon and Ronda Hellas Jefferson, you get in Kobe Simmons, Raleigh Alkins, DeAndre Ayton, you know, Alonzo Trier, Caleb Tarzewski, Grant Jarrett, Brandon Ash, you're getting these, you know, just guys that people know that are top ten, top twenty recruits in the country. You get used to that. And this might be the new normal in terms of how Arizona can get talent. They're not going to be getting all those guys. They may not be pursuing all of them either as hard as they used to because they don't mind having guys who can stick around for three years or some of those players who will be around, you know, not just one and duns. So when you see a target go off the board, it's it stings because Arizona would obviously take Ben Gregg. There's a reason they offered him. You know, Amashak, they offered for a reason. They would have taken um, yeah, Banchero, who committed to Duke, right? Like, they would like these players, but it's not going to see the end of the world or the end of Arizona basketball as we know it if they don't get them. Because to your point, Brett, Sean Miller did 
with a lot of help from Jack Murphy. We read a lot of articles about that, but they pieced together a pretty good class for the 2020 season that looks like it'll impact uh, classes for the next couple of years, especially if these guys stick around. So, like, it's nice to get the star power in a recruiting class. It's nice to see players commit to Arizona, especially top, you know, top talent. And they still may get some of those guys. They are out there, and you mentioned a couple of names that they're still in on, and I know some that people think that Arizona's probably leading for. So the recruiting class obviously isn't done yet. But, yeah, I, I think you're right, Brett. Like, it's, it may be kind of startling to see other Arizona not get some of these guys, but it probably doesn't mean anything, at least nothing to say, like, just to throw your head against the one that, come on, it's over. Like, I don't think that's the case. Well, and, and don't forget there's a high likelihood of a grad transfer also that you have no idea who's even going to be available at this point, right? Yeah. I think I think Arizona has added at least one grad transfer, like, every year for the last, you know, maybe the whole Sean Miller era, <laughs> other than maybe his first year or two, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that can be... You know, if you have an unexpected transfer out, I think that's where those kind of positions can be can be filled in easily, right? Like a guy you're planning on that's a year older that decides to leave, that's where a grad transfer can fill that role for a year without blocking, you know, the high school guys are either your developmental guys or the guys that are starting right away. And there's yeah. not that much in between. Um, and a grad transfer is coming into play, right? They're not coming in to be, to be a backup, right? No. Um, well, Terrell so, Brown might have. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, I misspoke in saying a backup. To not, they're not coming in to not play minutes, like just yeah. a bench guy, is what I meant to say. Yeah, no, that's true. That is absolutely true. So, Brett, we're gonna take one more break, and we come back. A proposal came out that would impact the college basketball season. It's, shall we say, interesting. All right, let's talk about that next after this break. Welcome back. And Brett, I think before we end today's show or this week's show, we should definitely talk about this proposal that apparently Jeff Goodman tweeted it out. So the ACC coaches will propose an all-inclusive NCAA tournament. Uh, coaches just finished the call and voted unanimously on this. So I don't know. I mean, we don't have a lot of detail on this, but there's this idea that everyone makes the NCAA tournament. Then I guess the bright side is no one can complain about being snubbed. See, now, when you said all-inclusive NCAA tournament, I assumed it was unanimous because that just meant, like, food and drinks were included for all the coaches. So, of course, they <laughs> voted for it. <laughs> you know? I, how does this How does this even... I don't know how it would work. I don't, one, one could make an argument that the regular season is, in fact, the play-in games to the tournament. <laughs> right? Or your conference season, right? Um, I, I, I just... I don't understand why <laughs> or what the point of it is. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I'm curious what that, like, I don't want to pick that bracket. I really don't. I have a hard enough time with the way it is right now, but I, maybe the thought is, and I, I don't know, there's not a lot of de detail on this, but the thought would be that if teams, if schools start at different times, right? Like some schools start in November, some schools start in January and play kind of like an uneven schedule in terms of games, it might be hard to try to pick a field, an actual tournament field. And maybe like, is it going to be a 68 team tournament? Is it going to be 34? Like, we don't know what that, what the tournament looks like, but it's just a way to give everyone a fair shot 
because some schools that maybe rely on their conference tournaments to get into the tournament won't have that option to, you know, won't have that ability or like, I, I don't know. Like I, I guess until we see what college basketball looks like, just as presented, it's hard to see how this would work. And it's, it's impossible to see how it would work in practice, but that might be kind of what they're thinking is to give everyone an actual shot in the tournament because some teams would not have their shot otherwise. I, 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 Yes, but I still I mean, don't understand, understand how that's. I still don't understand how, like, even if it's a shortened season or there's not a conference tournament, like, just have like the auto bid is the one that wins the regular season, like the Pac-12 used to be, right? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't understand the why. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> um, which just makes me kind of baffled at having a perspective as to how to discuss it, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, and how does that even, how does that even happen? Like, how much do you bring them all, all three hundred and something teams to? How many different super sub regional things are there gonna like? <laughs> how much, how much are you trying to bring everyone from every campus into the same place in coronavirus? Right. So what, you, what you essentially have to do is maybe, and it doesn't work like this, but every conference, like I think what you're getting at too, is you play like a conference tournament and the winner from your conference tournament goes to whatever other tournament you have. And therefore everyone has a chance to, you know, every, and then whoever wins the conference tournaments gets to go into some bubble. And then they have whatever, I don't even know how many conferences there are that college basketball feeds into. Cause I know there's, it's not just power five. <laughs> you know, I, I know that. So Maybe that's what you do, and I don't know how many schools that is. I should have looked that up, how many teams that would be that would make it into that tournament, but you have, like, your previous sub-tournament is just your conference tournament. Like, that's technically a way to give everyone a chance, right? Like, But I don't know how you could bubble, like, put Arizona in with, say, North Carolina and call it that the safe thing to do, right? Like, you can't bubble 360 teams or whatever. Like, you, you can't do that. I... It, <laughs> It just doesn't make sense because, no. like, like if you do like a conference tournament to determine, some, I, 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 I don't. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so flummoxed and baffled by it that it doesn't. I just, I don't even understand how it would work or how it's not a bad idea from a coronavirus perspective. Yeah, well, I guess, <laughs> or how it doesn't add more travel and more issues with bubbles and more people interacting from across conferences and regions quickly <laughs> yeah well cbs's gary Parrish said that he believes that's a sincere thing that one of the reasons he's told is that most acc coaches would rather avoid non-league games so i guess that's kind of maybe what they're getting at is if you just play like a conference only tournament and then whatever like coach k is on board he released a statement like of course coach k is on board with this right but says the he said three primary factors were considered in formulating the idea there are the health and safety of our players, the incentive that there will be games, all of which lead to the NCAA tournament this spring, and that they need to be unified as a sport, all 357 Division One teams, and competing on the game that they love. Like, if you, you look at that, it's like, oh, this kind of makes sense, but like how it would actually look is, I think, what everyone needs to kind of wrap their minds around, and that's hard to do right now because this just doesn't make much sense on the surface. Yeah, I, but even if it's like you do tournaments as the plan, like does that mean you're not having conference regular season, or is it like a round robin thing? Because like, 
you know, like Ronnie talked about March Madness, like if it's a single elimination thing, you're going to have a lot of trash teams moving forward into this mega March Madness equivalent. Say, so, like, do you do you play a conference-only schedule and then a conference tournament and then send the conference tournament winner to... Because like, what's the point of the conference schedule then? Like, why would you play a regular season if those games don't matter for your chance to... I, It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'd like to think that the coaches who produced this put some thought into it. You know, I would like to think that, but at the same time, yeah, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to understand where they're going with this. Not, not in the least. Yeah. Let's stop talking <laughs> about it. It makes me, my head hurt. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I guess one other thing we can talk about a horse's program, you know, Bob Baffert's horse authentic won the Kentucky Derby, which is just, I think what happens now. So that's always cool. Anytime, you know, they want a race and Bob Baffert's horse wins. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big horse racing guy, but I will su- support U of A alums in their excellence in every capacity. <laughs> in whatever capacity it can be. So I just like the uh, horses program tweets that come out after all of them. I, I enjoy those particularly much, like I do. But anyways, I think, Brett, that's about it. You got any thoughts on anything else we forgot about? Were there any other roster changes or any other notes that we <laughs> didn't think about pre-show that we should probably bring up here? No, but I was going to ask, what did your height and weight change from uh, the spring to now? <laughs> <laughs> well, my height hasn't changed. I can promise you that. I don't think I've shrunk. I've shrunk at all, and I think I'm done growing. Um, my weight has actually gone down a little bit, but that's just because, you know, we got an exercise bike, a Peloton, and, you know, been doing that. So, yeah. You're, you're dabbling in this thing called exercising regularly. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. But I also have nothing else to do, so it just makes sense. Is this you yeah. want me to ask you about your changes? Fine, I'll ask. I'll bite. But oh, Brett, no. how I, about yourself? I think I maybe off. I think I offset my my gains, or shall we say, losses of body fat in the last weekend when I just had a bunch of pizza and drank a lot of beer. So <laughs> I haven't weighed myself, but I assume it's all gone. Uh, are you are you not weighing yourself because you don't want to see the number? You're like, if you don't see it, then it doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's the it's the if you don't test for it, we wouldn't have so many coronavirus <laughs> cases approach, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, we we can both call ourselves fat. I think that's okay. But everyone, thank you for listening. Make sure you're tuning into Wildcat Radio 2.0. The the play by play tracks are still going. They're going through the '97 championship. The most recent was the Sweet 16 win over Kansas, which. Just wonderful, wonderful game. Bryant and the guys going over that. And keep listening because they're going to keep going through that tournament run, which we all know how it ends. And I think we all like how it ends and would not mind listening to it ending the way it did. So <laughs> I like I like how you were still vague with something that everybody knows the outcomes. <laughs> I mean, maybe someone doesn't. Who am I to say what people know? You know, that's not, you know, I, I can't. It's wrong for me to assume what people know, but. You know, otherwise, keep out the Wildcat Radio Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. You know, keep following along there. A lot of commentary on what does happen. And obviously, any episodes, shows that do come out will be posted there. You can catch all the podcasts on iTunes, uh, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. You can listen to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Make sure you listen and subscribe to Wildcat Radio 2.0 because sports is going to come back. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. You'll want to listen to what we have to say. So, anyway... We'll talk about whatever happens in Wildcat news and notes next week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.